0: Hello, I am C3PO Human Cyborg Relations. Welcome aboard the Star Speeder 3000. Hello, I'm Michael Eisner. They say that Hollywood is a town built on dreams. And one of its greatest dreamers was Walt Disney. Oh, my dear, sweet child, that's what I do, it's what I live for. To help unfortunate merfolk
1: like yourself. For in a moment, you can experience a beautiful fantasy or an exciting adventure. But beware, nothing is more powerful than the imagination.
0: <laughs> w-, w-, w. W. Radio. Your information station. Hello, my friend, and welcome to the WW Radio Show Your Walt Disney World information station. I am your host, Lou Mangiello, and this is show number 586. And I'm here once again, not only to help you have the best possible Disney vacation experience, but I also want to bring you a little bit of that Disney magic wherever you are with the podcast, my live video broadcasts every Wednesday on Facebook, blog, special events, audio tours and more, whether it's your first time visiting or you've been hundreds of times, if you're planning your next vacation or love the history, details, secrets and stories, there is something in the show for you because each week I'm going to take you from the parks to the screens and everything in between for Disney, Marvel and Star Wars and if you're a new listener, welcome, thank you. Please go back and check out some or all the past episodes for interviews, top tens, reviews and more. You can subscribe to the podcast in iTunes and find everything else at www.radio.com. As the host, creator, and executive producer of Prop Culture on Disney+, Dan Lanigan highlights the stories behind his quest to find, restore, and reconnect rare Disney cinematic props, costumes, and set pieces with the people who brought them to life on screen. Dan joins me this week to discuss his personal journey... The show, as well as the people, props, movies, stories, emotions, and some truly magical moments. Dan takes us to private collections, meets some surprise guests, and takes us inside the Walt Disney archives on his very sentimental journey to films including Mary Poppins, The Muppet Movie, Tron, Pirates of the Caribbean, and Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Dan also shares advice on starting and curating your own collection his holy grails of props and what's next I'll then have the answer to our last Walt Disney World trivia question of the week and I'll pose a new challenge for your chance to win a Disney prize package then stay tuned to the end of the show as I'll have more information about our next upcoming WW Radio virtual meet of the month, how I can help you, other updates and more, so sit back relax and enjoy This week's episode of The WW Radio Show.
1: Okay, stand by. Here we go. In a movie, every detail, no matter how small, is designed to tell you something. And ever since I was a kid... I've been obsessed with finding out more. I want to see it first. <laughs> I'm Dan Lanigan, and I spent my entire life collecting artifacts from my favorite films. Now, I'm setting out to learn more about the props from the Disney movies that I love. Captain Jack's iconic frock coat. <laughs> he rocks this costume. The actual oh. coat What? These are more than just props and costumes. This is a real cinema relic. It is. Sort of like me. (laughs) These historic artifacts help tell the story of how these films were made.
0: It's history. It's It's my childhood.
1: And as a fan, does it have your smell? No comment. (laughs) They somehow make you feel like you were a part of that story. Is that what I think it is? It's the original Aztec chest used in the movies. Wow. This was one of two stop-motion bugs. It was a lot lighter than that. This is amazing. This is one of the nicest looking pieces I've ever seen.
0: Oh, that's a pirate movie.
1: You've gone back in time. It's a living, breathing world that
0: you guys created. No film had ever attempted anything like this.
1: It was like a dream job. I think about it every day.
0: So we've all done it before, right? We watch our favorite movies, sometimes over and over and over again, and wish we could bring a piece of it home with us, whether it's to own a piece of movie history, relive our favorite scenes, or just smile, knowing that we have something that has touched our lives and the lives of many others. And you might not call yourself one, but really we're all collectors, right? There's something that we all enjoy owning because of how it makes us feel. But some people take their love of movies and collecting, and they turn it up to 11. And one of those people is my next guest, who has spent more than half his life in pursuit of rare cinematic antiquities and has amassed really one of the most significant private collections of costumes, props, and set pieces in the world. He is Dan Lanigan, the host, creator, and executive producer of what has now quickly become one of my favorite shows on Disney Plus, Prop Culture, where he shares his love of film history with us by highlighting the stories behind the objects and the artists and craftspeople who brought them to life. Dan, thank you so much for your time. Welcome to the show.
1: Thank you for having me. Uh, I really appreciate it, Lou. I I don't know how I can live up to that amazing introduction that you just did. (laughs) (laughs) But thank you. Thank you anyways. I appreciate it.
0: Now, listen, uh, I, I was excited before it came out, and I fell in love very quickly, but I want to sort of go back a little bit because really from episode one, you explain how you fell in love with the movie. So how did that go, and and when did you sort of get bit by the collector bug, and maybe what was that first item that you added to your collection?
1: You know, um, I've I've been... A fan of movies ever since I was a kid. You know, I think you know Star Wars, Wizard of Oz was a big one for me. Um, uh, you know, Sound of Music, movies like that. Um, you know, I I was a big fan of films. I would always uh, watch uh, when I was younger the behind the scenes, uh, you know, documentaries to try to get more information. The more I can learn about it. Uh, and all the while I'm collecting toys based on movies and then reading comic books in a lot of ways based on movies. Uh, I had a huge collection of Raiders of Lost Ark comic books by Marvel um, as well as lots of other stuff. But um, as I got older, uh, I still had the obsession and even more so. And then when I would, would go to visit my brother uh, who lived in Florida at the time, um, uh, we would – have the opportunity to go to Disney world and every year we would go to Disney world. And the only park that I really wanted to go to was the Disney MGM studios, uh, because of the connection to the films. And my favorite, my favorite, uh, attraction was the, uh, the, uh, uh gosh, I'm having a mind blank. The, uh,
0: Indiana Jones
1: behind like- this. No, well, no, I love the Indiana Jones. It's not spectacular, but it was the, it was oh, the back backstage tour. Magic. That's the one. Right. Whatever so the go- right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. The backlot tour. So you and- go on
1: the carts. Yep. Yeah. You go on the carts, and you would see, um, you'd see some of the sets, and you get to see um, uh, 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 the uh, the earthquake thing where you go through. But for me, it was when you got to the point where you're seeing all the screen-used vehicles. You know, the cars from Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Different versions of Roger's cars and the progression of how they got destroyed and the dick tracy cars and and the uh the blue thunder uh helicopter that they had back there and you know they had all this amazing stuff flight in the navigator ship was back there uh spinner from blade runner which blew my mind because it's like wait this isn't a disney film but they had it there for some reason and then when you got off that uh, attraction you would walk through this little mini museum and it would be all these props from different films. And every time I would go there, every year they'd have a different display. One year Indiana Jones and the temple of Doom and Last Crusade, one year Rocketeer. Um, one year it was uh Nightmare Before Christmas, what blew me away. So I really got obsessed with the art. You know, you can look at these pieces and you could see little insights in how they made these movies through the these artifacts that these artists made. So I would Uh, You know, being a a, a geek, I would be on the computers at times. I'd be doing research, and I came across early versions of uh, eBay. Um, I think it was even before it was called eBay. Um, And uh, I bought a piece, a couple pieces on there, and they were minor. I honestly don't even remember exactly what they were. But eventually, I decided I was going to make a big purchase, and it was this this gun toon gun from who framed roger rabbit it wasn't a actual gun but it was a sculpted gun it was the it was uh being sold by somebody who worked on the film and um i was able to talk to the person on the phone and you know through research found out that this person was real you know it was a real person who, who worked on the film and uh super excited i got the piece with the bullets and you know for a few years i was just living the dream and then eventually i found out that no this wasn't a piece that was used on the film it was a it was a um, it was a crew gift that was given a casting of the original piece to people who worked on the film. So I was very disappointed. I was like, oh, man, you know, and it was too late to do anything about it. But at that point, I was already bitten by the bug of collecting movie props. And, you know, 20 years later, here I am.
0: Well, there's an interesting lesson, you know, right off the bat, because I think people want to be collectors, right? But it's sometimes so easy to be duped by fakes or or replicas. It can be, yeah. You have to do do do. your
1: research. That's what you have to do. You have to do your research. Don't take things at face value
0: yeah but after that probably somewhat expensive lesson uh you know like you said it continued to go and grow if you had to estimate how many props you have in your personal collection and maybe what a favorite one sort of the coolest thing that you have you know what would what would they be
1: you know uh i'm not really comfortable mentioning the number let's just say it's it's a lot (laughs) it's quite a lot i mean my my goal is to eventually you know uh Work with the museum to put in a permanent display, or maybe even create my own museum, uh, potentially. But that's you know that's a difficult proposition to do. Um, I would say probably my favorite piece. It's probably my favorite piece, uh, and it all comes down to you know it's my favorite movie is a piece from Blade Runner. Uh, it's uh, Deckard's uh, blaster. So it's the it's the practical version of his blaster. There was only one of them used on set, from what I everything that I've learned. Although you're always finding out new things, but it seems to be the hero one. It was used throughout the film. Uh, there was a rubber version, a couple different rubber versions, but this is the hero, and it's just a it's an important piece to me because it's you know the main tool of this amazing uh, character played by you know Harrison Ford. That to this day I just I don't get old. It doesn't get old. I've watched it hundreds of times.
0: Well, I, first of all, I love the fact that, that you, you said something that's that's very Indiana Jones of you, which is these belong in a museum, even if it means creating yes. your own. Um, but what is it? So what is it that that draws you to an item? Like what's the appeal? Is it the movie, the actor, the significance of the prop itself?
1: Uh, it's not necessarily the actor.
0: For me, it's the movie,
1: the emotional connection I get to the film – the obsession I get with the film and the process. And then if you subdivide that down, you know, the the pieces, the piece that I pieces that I collect generally are interesting, have interesting stories connected to that film or, or interesting to the narrative to the film, or important to the narrative. And 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 like with with Deckard, you know, this is this is the old PI kind of guy who's going out and trying to retire these replicants and this is the tool he uses, you know, and, and, and throughout the process, he's taking out these replicants, but by the end, he's now wondering, is he not real? And the, you know, the dichotomy in that, in that story is really interesting. And, you know, what is it to be human is it's really, really uh, important. So, you know, it's, it's like, I look at that film and ideally the, the coolest piece to own from that film or to, to have access to would be, the, uh, the, the, Esper machine, you know, the machine that, um, uh, uh that you can t- tells you whether or not you're human or not, but that doesn't exist. It seems to have, it's one of these prop stories that is probably, uh, either been taken apart and sent to all different parts of the world or thrown away or lost in, in, in the mail. There's a lot of stories behind it. It's a really interesting story, but that's, that's the heart of the film is, are you human or not?
0: Well, you know? what I what I love about that is that, like prop culture, right? It's it's the significance of the prop is the personal connection to you, right? And I, and obviously right. the, the the series is as well. So, how does prop culture, the show, come to be? How do you take this passion that you have for prop collecting and get it to Disney Plus?
1: Okay, so um, I've been working on uh, uh, trying to do a version of the show. For five six seven years uh and uh we had pitched i had pitched out a couple different versions of it uh, i'm always trying to stay away from the financial aspect of it this i've always wanted to try and lean into the cultural value you know the 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 love of the film and and that's why people collect this stuff um and everyone that you know we were we were pitching this to wanted some form of that, you know, that the lowest common denominator, what's it worth and why is, what, what does it sell for? Let's do a transactional thing. So I didn't want to do that. So I was like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm going to take my time and get the show out that I want to do. And eventually through just luck and timing, uh, you know, I was able to pitch to Disney plus and that's what they wanted. They didn't want a transactional thing. They didn't want to deal with the money they wanted to deal with. They wanted to, to, to talk about, what's important about these movies. That's why these props were important. And that aligned exactly with what I wanted to do. So they saw the, the love of it right away. And honestly, they gave us, uh, they gave my partner and I, they bought the show within it 24 hours to see in the pit. It was crazy.
0: And, you know, it's funny you said that because it's one of the first things I noticed as I watched Mary Poppins, which was the first one that was that there's never a dollar figure mentioned because the, the props are, priceless to the people that collect them and priceless to the people that worked on them because of that emotional connection.
1: Yes. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard to put a number on this stuff. And ultimately it, it, it lessens
0: the material
1: when you start talking about what its financial value is.
0: Absolutely. Because I, as I started to watch and, and was describing it to people, I said, prop culture is not a show about the props it's about the people no. behind them, right? So why is it so important to yep. tell their stories in context of the item? Well, it's
1: because the, these are the people that are making these amazing artifacts and icons of cinema, the physical icons, the stuff that help build these worlds that you see, you know, these amazing characters uh, that come out through ward, or through costume design, through prop design, through set design, through uh, the build of this stuff, to the cool vehicles that are made and spaceships and all this wonderful stuff. It's these wonderful artists that allow the actors to play in that world. And and the now, of course the directors are very involved in in setting this stuff up and, and directing everything. You know, I understand that. I, I don't wanna to make the actors and the directors and the writers seem less important. Because they are important, but I feel like it's, you know, the people that work on the behind the scenes stuff are equally important to make these amazing worlds. And I just want to show some love for them and, 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 and explore how this stuff is made and why it's important to them. Because I think it's a really interesting story. As I, the more I collected myself, the more that became as important, if not more important than the pieces themselves, you know, it's, it's a lot of, in a, in a lot of things in life it's not the destination it's the journey mm. and for me the destination is tracking down a piece but the journey is finding out about that and meeting all these amazing people and that's what the show's about
0: well and i love the fact that you are able to take people whose work has been seen on screen but we never have necessarily associated a name or a face or a voice or a story to the yes. things that they have brought to life and it's it's the thing that really i loved so much about it? Um, because, you know, we, we keep talking about the importance of, you know, emotion. And, and is that really what helped you to come up with and choose the eight films to focus on?
1: Oh, absolutely. Uh, it was my emotional attachment to the movies that directed, uh, what we did. Now there was a certain amount of, what stories can we tell, and who can we get a hold of that we had to take into consideration? And it also had to be, you know, films that Disney would be con- willing to put on the service. Uh, you know, it was, it was, it was. Although Disney has done and through Touchstone and things, you know, R-rated movies, we couldn't go into that. Mm. So because it's family friendly, which is understandable. So there was there were other parameters we had to take into consideration. But ultimately, I curated the list based on my love uh, of the film. And the stories that I felt that I could tell through the objects and the people that were connected to those movies.
0: Well, and I think the, the, the range of and the, the wide spectrum of the selection of films is wonderful because I also think what it's going to do is create a new appreciation and maybe even understanding, a deeper understanding for ones that maybe people haven't seen for a long time. I, and one of the ones that came to mind was, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Like, I remember yeah. growing up seeing it, but maybe my kids hadn't necessarily been introduced to it. Yeah, that was
1: that was a, a, a hope. You know, it was, it was a lot of hopes for the show. But one of the hopes was that, you know, we could take some films that are were important in their time, but have not really gotten the attention in recent years and bring them to a new audience, perhaps through the show. Maybe you watch the show because you love Nightmare Before Christmas and you watch that episode and you say, wow, that is really interesting. I didn't know that. This format is interesting. Let's watch some of the other episodes. Oh, honey, I shrunk the kids, never saw it. Let's watch the episode. Wow, that is really cool. Let's go watch that movie. I want to try and, you know, organically bring people to these movies because they're amazing. And and by watching the episodes, hopefully people get a sense of that.
0: I think it will. And I think what what happened and what happened in my family, too, is you watch an episode and then you're going to, to go in and watch the film itself, but great. Let,
1: That's that. We were hoping for that
0: without a doubt, without a doubt. Um, and it makes for some interesting conversation, too. And and again, we start looking at it through the lens of the props and the stories and the how did they do that? And I wonder what happened to this. Um, but let's sort of let's sort of reframe this again in the context of one of your favorite movies. Right. Raiders of the Lost Ark. Because you've been there, man. You've been into the Raiders of the Lost Ark closing scene vault. You've been to the Walt Disney Archives, (laughs) which, look, for a lot of Disney fans, and and I'm a Disney fan at heart, man, like, it's the holy grail of destinations, pun intended. Describe what that experience is like, including being able to crack open a crate and see things like a Mary Poppins horse with your own eyes.
1: It's, it's pretty crazy um, to have the opportunity to, you know, go to these locations. Like, you know, these are hidden warehouses, nondescript. No way you would know that they're what they are. And then, you know, go in with the archivist and have them take you around and, and show you these spaces with this, all this wonderful, you know, Disney film and park and just company history throughout this, these spaces and to know that, yes, it's a warehouse, but it is an archive. You know, it, it is a place that the stuff goes into the archive. It doesn't leave the archive. Uh, it goes out on display and, and my hope, one of my, my little secret hopes uh, for the show is the show will help bring attention to the possibility of having a Disney museum Mm -hmm. of motion picture and the theme parks. It would be amazing. To, you know, again, with the world the way it is today, with, with the COVID and everything, having, you know, building off the idea of public spaces is difficult, but I do feel like, you know, Disney has been such a strong part of our culture, world culture, and they've done so many great things and, and, and done some amazing s- stories, these artifacts have magic to them and I think Trying to figure out a way to get these into a, 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 a space that people can go to and visit and, 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 and feel some of that magic and learn, you know, learn about filmmaking and learn about all the amazing trades that go into that would be really cool. It'd be really cool.
0: I would never presume to speak on behalf of all Disney fans, but I'm going to do so right now because I'm smiling and (laughs) nodding my head saying that's, you know, what we've always dreamed about, right, is a Disney museum. Because look, we've made, many of us have made the pilgrimages to – you know, Marceline, Missouri or San Francisco to the family museum, yeah. because we want to see it. We want to see these things are going on And Disney, I think has done a wonderful job in serving the fans at D 23 expos in the past by bringing some of these out with oh, a lot of have. these themed archive displays.
1: Yeah. The archive. I want, I want to talk about the archive team. They have done a wonderful job, uh, preserving Disney's history, uh, within the restrictions that they've always had. And I think they're getting more and more support in the company because it's, you know, it's expensive to have an archive team and they have these warehouses. You know, Disney's got to put money towards that. And I think, you know, it's it's been a real special thing to see them every year at D23 put bigger and better displays on. And the, the lines that people are waiting to go in, uh, because it is it's important to people. This history is important to people to see the artwork that's connected to these films that you love. Just makes that film richer, and uh, the archive uh, is a wonderful place uh, for the Disney Company. I just hope it uh, they're able to to do something a little bit more wild and crazy, and 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 show off this amazing these amazing treasures they have.
0: Yeah, because I mean, not just Disney, but in the general context of movie making, you know, in the early days, many items weren't saved; they were reused or, you know, that's they were, right, say, thrown away. You know, but Dave Smith. Started the archives. Becky Klein continued his mm-hmm. legacy of Dave in the studios by preserving not just the archives, but the stories. Because uh, again, the, the the importance and the value is not one that's monetary.
1: Yeah, Dave Smith uh, really uh, broke the molds in a lot of ways, and uh, is is such an important person in my opinion to Disney history because of his. Interest in saving Disney history, um, and and uh, you know Becky is built from that uh, with the team she's put together. She's got some good people working there, and I've uh, I've uh, happy to call some of them my friends. So uh, I just hope uh, things go bigger and better for the archives.
0: Yeah, and look, we know that Disney themselves have have lost things over time because not everything was is is able to be found or recovered and even you know look that's true collecting and curating has has changed too over time as well
1: it has it has and you know that's the interesting thing about the archives perspective about prompt collecting um you know you think uh a company uh, uh a division like the archives which is designed to preserve history and then seeing all these people outside of the company taking pieces or finding pieces you think they would have a conflict with that but uh, you know, Becky herself told me that she she feels very happy that people are preserving the things uh, because they didn't get a chance to. So for whatever reason, someone else is doing it. And maybe at some point it can come back to the Disney company. Um, but either way, she just she's been very supportive of, of uh, the private collectors, in my opinion. Um, and and I've been trying to support them in, in the same way. So it's it's been great.
0: Yeah, I've known Becky for years. I, I love what she does there again, in, in terms of preserving that the cinematic history and and the importance yeah. of the items. But look, I I was as I watched you uh, numerous times in that nondescript building. Um, we keep coming back to the emotional thing, right? I, look. Mm -hmm. I tell people all the time, I said, you need to prepare yourself for prop culture, because it's a very emotional experience. And I think we're far enough in our relationship, Dan, that I can admit to you, I cried, man, like a bunch of times. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm just talking about the uh, Mary Poppins episode. (laughs) I have to say that I
1: feel proud that I made you cry in a weird way. (laughs) No, but I mean, you know, um, this stuff means, it, it means things to people. And, and. And it's at it's core as why this stuff is important, why these these artifacts are important. So, if we can share that with the show, share that by showing the show, I mean, it just elevates this stuff to a level that I think it should be at. I'm very happy that people responded the way that I've always felt
0: about this this wonderful material. And and what about you? I mean, again, you're you're living you're literally living out your boyhood dream, like. I'm going to ask you if you got emotional a little bit and if you say no I'm going to tell you that there was a couple of times I thought I saw a little bit of wetness in your eye region as, as things were happening.
1: Uh, dude, I was <laughs> honestly I was emotional the whole time. I, tr- I I of course I'm trying to hold back, you know, cuz I'm the big tough guy. Right. Not big tough guy. I'm a big teddy bear, but but you know, I I am trying to and I'm trying to the show is not about me. The show is about the people, the show is about the movies, the show is about the art. I'm just there to facilitate it. Um and and to by by my presence is kind of the the perspective of the audience. Um so I you know, yes, I'm probably more involved in a show like this than most hosts, but I still don't think the show is not about me. The show is about the people. I'm just trying to bring that you know, bring people to be able to, to experience them and, and see them. And it was, it was, it was, it was exciting. It was, it was sweet. It was, uh, you know, thrilling. It was sad at times, um, you know, but, uh, again, the stories about the people, not, not me, I'm just, uh, I'm just that vehicle.
0: You are. I mean, look. You're very much a conduit for us, and I watch the show because you yeah. you do a brilliant job of of standing there in our stead. You're you're representing us because you are the fan first. And as you are talking to these people and going through their boxes and warehouses and the tent in his backyard, which I'm screaming yeah. like, "Good Gandhi, man! How do you have that in a tent?" But you know you you've got to Listberger. Do- let me just say, <laughs> Lisberger is
1: awesome. The man is. Sweet, smart, brilliant! Oh my God, I could—I I, he's just so cool. <laughs> and uh, uh, I—that was—that was, that was I mean, the thing about it is that every time I mentioned like, oh, this was one of the coolest days, but there were so many of those in the show. It's hard to grasp these experiences. I mean, yes, you guys have seen the show, but it's been very, very much of a roller coaster and in, in such an amazing way for me. To do this show to to talk to these these people that have been you know uh, i've been obsessed about and the work that they've done for years and just to have real normal conversations about stuff that we both love i mean tom st Amon uh has been amazing i've i've become friends with him after this uh charlie fleischer sure i've become friends with him he is just brilliant brilliant comedian artist uh, I mean he's just such a, a wild and crazy guy and he's such a perfect guy for Roger Rabbit and this fact that he can still do the voice exactly so many years later. Uh, yeah he came to my house I'll tell you he told the story he came to my house we we're talking about something with uh, another project that we can't get into right now but my daughter came out and she wanted to meet Roger Rabbit and he literally did this bit of Roger Rabbit and my daughter was so happy so she got to meet Roger Rabbit. It was so cool. He's just uh, he's just the best.
0: And and yeah, that's what I mean. Like there's times that that you can almost see you you, again, you do a fantastic job of being the host and being the collector and getting to the to the meat of the stories behind it. But it's almost a few times that, that I can almost see you change going from collector to fan and your eyes just, you know, authentically just widen and your smile gets wider. And those are some of for me, like you said, those those touching moments that are about the people that you're talking to, thank but that you. I also see come through in oh, you as well.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Well, I mean, it means a lot to me, so I'm doing this, you know, I came to this from a fan's perspective. Uh, you know, I've done TV production for a while now and, and i you know, like I said, I've directed a few things, but uh, this came out of a love of the material and, and, and really wanted to make sure that it, it came from the the perspective of the show a perspective of love and respect.
0: And you again talking about it coming from a fan perspective. I thought about another yep. sort of fan moment in addition to getting to meet people and seeing the props. And you also went backstage at pirates of the Caribbean and Disneyland for that episode, you know, and go yeah. into some of those show scenes. What, what's that like? Oh, well, you know, um, it
1: was, it was surreal. Um, you know, I've been on that ride a number of times more. I've been on the the Florida version more so, but I've been on the the Disneyland version a number of times and to walk through the park at night and walk behind Bass stage, which I had never gotten a chance to do was amazing just to see how it works. Um, And then to go to get down to the ride, Uh, to Pirates of the Caribbean for those locations we went to you know the the boats were not running we got to get on the boat a little bit but then they had to shut them down for some maintenance and stuff so we actually to get through the ride we'd have to go up and down through restaurants kitchens and all these different locations throughout the park because none of it's connected because that's just how it is based on how the ride is and to go up and down and see all these you know, control rooms and stuff with old technology and some really new technology. And then you go through a a hidden door, you go down a stair step and you walk out and there you are, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, next to the treasure hoard at at Disneyland on Pirates of the Caribbean. And it's just amazing to see how that stuff works. And then the figures up close, the paint jobs are different than what you see from a distance. It's just, uh, I don't know. It's, it's hard to describe (laughs) how, how wild and crazy cool it was.
0: You know, one of the words I keep using to describe the show is that it's inspiring, right? I think it inspires us to appreciate the people and the stories, to watch the films again. I think it's also going to inspire others to become collectors or to even take notice yeah, yeah. of things they don't realize they've been collecting for years.
1: Exactly. I mean, that would be that would be cool if the show did that, um, you know, and to respect the art form of of all these wonderful artists uh, would be great. Um you know, and not that people don't respect him. I think you do in unintentionally, not indirectly, but to, to, to shine the light on on this stuff uh, is great. And if you can inspire people to get into the business or people to collect, uh, that's it's just wonderful. Super happy about that.
0: And if somebody wanted to, if somebody says, well, oh, I, I want to do what Dan does. I love movies. Other than eBay, like where would they start? Like what sort of advice would you give to somebody who wants to become a collector of their own?
1: Uh learn about movie making, learn about the process, you know, uh read different movie making magazines, read articles on the internet, watch behind-the-scenes documentaries, uh, you know, do workshops, do masterclass videos, any of that stuff. Learn about the process because the more you can learn about how this stuff is done, the more you'll discover the people that are making these things and then you know ultimately you got to research when you're buying pieces when you're looking to, to, to acquire pieces you have to research that it is what it is and there's a lot of fake stuff out there intentionally and unintentionally um talk to dealers talk to other collectors network with people uh that's big deal you know find people that you trust that you can share information back and forth it's it's the problem is is you know, collecting at the level that I'm at, you need to have years of uh, knowledge and 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 callous <laughs> to know when things are right or wrong and when somebody's trying to BS you. Yeah.
0: I but, say, uh... but again,
1: it's – but that's from a – just from a collector's point of view. I mean that's the beauty of, of – one of the th- wonderful things about collecting is it's allowed me – it's given me a focus in my study of film uh, and – it makes it so much less than just studying i mean i'm just you, you live it it's it's a lot of fun
0: yeah and i think there's sort of an interesting you know catch 22 like in in one sense it's more difficult to find things from some newer films cuz they rely so much on cg but you know stuff from older films sometimes gets discarded or or just lost but for you yeah. is there a is there a white whale is there your holy grail that you would just it's the thing that you're, you're, you know, what's your golden idol that you're looking for? Just in case uh, somebody has say, it in their attic, you know, under some blankets.
1: I would say uh, probably Deckard's trench coat from Blade Runner. Deckard's trench coat from Blade Runner, or maybe the the uh, the Esper machine from uh, Blade Runner. Um, or maybe an ad from Empire Strikes Back, but I will tell you it's stop motion at it, but I will tell you, those are all in the, uh, owned by George Lucas. He still has those. So that's one of those unobtainium pieces that I just like to throw out there that, that has always been my, from the very beginning of collecting, that was a piece that I, that I was attached, uh, emotionally attached to as those ad ads. I had the toy when I was a kid, just love the designs. You know, a cross between a giant crane and a robot and, a, and, an, and an elephant. Just, you know, <laughs> some of my favorite things.
0: Well, again, continuing this idea of inspiration, I think you're going to inspire me to go watch uh, Blade Runner. But any other films? Please like, do. Any other films that you personally would like to see covered or, or featured and hopefully what will be a season two of, of Prop Culture?
1: Well, if we get a season two... Um, you know, we've uh, – Jason, Henry, my partner and I have already been spending a good amount of time trying to put together uh, the films and the people and the props that we would want to research. Um, uh, but I would say top of the list for me, and 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 it's a tough one I think for Disney because they don't own – I don't think they own the, the, the uh, domestic rights, but Dragon Slayer. Hmm. That film was really big deal for me and still is. And I think it's uh very inspirational uh in technology of how it, it it uh it built up ideas that were used in the industry. Plus the subject matter. I mean, you know, this this is a film that was done in early eighties, and now you look at Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit and you look at Game of Thrones and fantasy films are all the rage but this this and to this day that dragon in that film is probably the best design dragon of all time mm. so it's it's an important film and i would love to dive into uh what's important about that film to me but hopefully disney can do it but i mean rages of lost ark star wars the black hole oh,
0: so uh, willow would be great hole, uh, black hole is exactly what i was thinking
1: yeah black hole um i mean two thousand twenty thousand leagues under the sea Honestly, you know, one of the ones I'd love to do would be uh, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. That's a Fox mm-hmm. film that I would love to do, um, you know, uh, give it a little love. Um, uh, gosh, what else? There's just so many great uh, Disney Fox films. Um, uh, you know, maybe we're, we're thinking about maybe pitch an idea for an animated film and Fantasia would be really interesting to get into you know how that was made and and all the wonderful artwork that was created for that um i mean that's the thing is disney's got so many amazing films um i would just you know love to to dive into it love to dive into it i love play the navigator would be a
0: great oh, one yeah
1: yeah yeah i mean there's there's really a lot of a lot of cool films that are connected to disney and now fox lucasfilm marvel so
0: well, you know, one of the things just to sort of wrap things up that that I loved about prop culture again, in addition to, you know, the the detail in the stories, is that it's a family show, right? It's something that you mm-hmm. can watch together. Look, I, again, man, the the image of you and your daughter watching together, as I sat on the couch watching with my son and daughter, it literally had me sobbing.
1: Oh, that's that's sweet. That's sweet.
0: You know, um,
1: I keep uh, saying- it, it's it is. I mean, it's. You know, I that Mary Poppins uh, was important uh, film for me and, and my family, and uh, and has now become an important. You know, when I was growing up, and has now become an important film for me and my daughter and my wife, and my new boy actually. Hopefully, he hasn't seen it yet. He's only you know eight <laughs> months old, but uh, yeah, I'm hoping he will become a fan as well.
0: Well, And again, the, the, seeing the emotion on you and the expression on your daughter's face. And again, the people who look, I, I keep on saying that this show is continuing about surprises and I'm not going to spoil a lot of the many surprises and, and guests that you have on. But watching their reactions, watching them get emotional and look and to yeah. be clear, you know, it's also a beautiful show to watch in terms of these long lingering 360 degree shots that really help you appreciate the pieces and the details come not just from the visuals but from the stories and the stories that you're able to weave in as well
1: yeah well thank you i appreciate it i hope i hope to get the opportunity to do more of these for disney and um you know and i i would love to dive into some other non disney stuff at some point but Um, you know, Blade Runner, I would love to dive into in the Matrix, but, uh, we got a lot of Disney movies to do, so hopefully we can, we can move forward on that. That would be wonderful. And at the same time, I'm still, I'm actually trying to make, uh, some of my own, uh, my own projects. I recently directed a a mockumentary, a comedy mockumentary called, uh, Is He Lying the Unspent Truth that we're hoping to, to get distribution for soon. So
0: who knows? It's been a fun ride awesome, I love it, Disney's Prop Culture all of the episodes are available right now on Disney Plus, it is hard not to binge, but I think you should, like a glass of fine wine savor them, go back watch the movies again and again Um, I think like everybody involved with the series, I got way more than I expected with an incredible combination of nostalgia trivia, sentimentality surprise, insight, and delight, Uh, Dan Lanigan Thank you so very much for taking the time to share your passion with us. I want to know from you, the listener, what movie prop do you wish you could have in your collection or maybe one that you'd like to see Dan try and don his fedora and go out and see? I
1: I, I would love to hear what people want me to do uh, in a second season. I'd love to hear that.
0: for our Walt Disney World Trivia Question of the Week, where I invite you to test your knowledge of Walt Disney World history, or see how well you pay attention to the details, sometimes in what you see, hear, maybe even taste in the parks. If you think you know the answer, you can enter via our online form for a chance to win a Disney Prize Package. Of course, before we get to this week's question, we're going to go back, review last week's, and select our winner. So last week I took you to Adventureland and back in time to Walt Disney World in 1971 because your question last week was to tell me how many attractions were operating in the first few months of Adventureland in 1971 right after the park opened now I want to first start by thanking you and everybody who entered got this one correct now this one was a little bit tricky because they said how many attractions were operating in the first few months a lot of you answered and said correctly The Swiss Family Treehouse, the Jungle Cruise, the Tropical Serenade, the precursor to the Enchanted Tiki Room. But there was actually a fourth attraction that was open, but disappeared early in 1972. Actually, it was the very first attraction to be removed from the parks. And on the map, listed under attractions, was the Safari Club Arcade. Now, you're probably saying to yourself, Mangello, A, you're crazy. I've never even heard of that before. And B, technically, an arcade isn't an attraction. Well, believe it or not, this was actually a game room that resided for a very short period of time, just really a few months, in the location that would later be home to Colonel Hathie's Safari Club, which was a store. That later became the Island Supply Company. If you're trying to figure out where it is, it's the shop located right next to the breezeway that connects Adventureland to Frontierland. And yes, believe it or not, the early printed guides to the park and even the first poster-sized souvenir map of the park from 1971 all listed the Safari Club as one of the listed numbered attractions in Adventureland. Now, if you want to learn more about the Safari Club Arcade, you can go back and listen to show 457, which are 10 secrets that you never knew about Adventureland. Now, a lot of you didn't get it, and admittedly it was somewhat tricky. I didn't expect everybody to get all four. So what I did, in the interest of fairness, was I took all of the correct entries, whether you included the Safari Club Arcade or just said that there were three and listed the Treehouse, Jungle Cruise, and the Tropical Serenade to give everybody a fighting chance. I randomly selected one, and last week you were playing for all of my digital products, which is my 102 Ways to Save Money for Not Walt Disney World book, all seven of my virtual audio walking tours of the Magic Kingdom, which may or may not include Adventureland and my description of the Safari Club Arcade, a WW Radio vinyl sticker, a Magic Band cover, and a mystery prize from my personal collection. So honestly, I have run out of space. I've had things in boxes For way too long in my closet and in my garage. It's time to share them with you. So, one, I'm gonna pull one of those items, include that in your mystery prize pack. And also, each week I'm listing 10 of these items. And they're theme park items dating back to the 70s artwork, books, Disney collectibles, posters, toys, Star Wars collectibles, and lots more. Each week I'm listing 10 every Sunday night on eBay. Auctions begin and end at 9 p.m. Eastern. They start at $1, no reserve, and there's lots of very cool, vintage, unique stuff that you can find. Go to www.radio.com slash eBay. Anyway, I'm going to pull one of those items out. I'm going to include it in your mystery prize pack. And last week's winner, randomly selected, is... Timothy J. Leary. So, Timothy, congratulations. You use the online form at www.radio.com. So, I have your shipping information. I will get your prize package out there right away. If you played last week and didn't win, that's okay. Because here's your next chance to enter in this week's Walt Disney World Trivia Challenge. So, I don't know why, but I feel like staying in Adventureland once again. And as you cross the bridge from the central hub into Adventureland, you encounter two merchandise kiosks on your left, which are known affectionately as Bawana Bob's. Your question this week is to tell me, who does this name, Bawana Bob, pay tribute to? And by the way, stories of the Safari Club Arcade, Bawana Bob, and lots more can all be found on my audio walking tours of the Magic Kingdom, which are available right now for just $10 each at www.radio.com, or you can find and download them directly from iTunes. Anyway, this week's contest runs until Sunday, May 10th at 11.59 p.m. Again, you're going to play for the digital products, the books, the audio tours, the vinyl sticker, the Magic Band cover, and I'll pull another mystery prize from my personal collection. But wait... There's more because if you like Disney trivia, I invite you to please join me every day for daily Disney trivia on my Instagram stories. It's easy, it's fun, takes a few seconds to play and test your knowledge and hopefully learn something along the way. I am at instagram.com/lumangello again. I have new daily Disney trivia every single day on my Instagram stories. So good luck on this week's contest and the daily Disney trivia and have fun. That's going to do it for this week's show. Thank you so very much for taking the time to tune in this and every week. Please don't forget to be part of the community and conversation. Talk about this week's show, anything that's going on in the Disney, Marvel, and Star Wars world. Join the community at radio.com slash community. Also be sure and join me every Wednesday night at 7.30 p.m. Eastern for WW Radio Live. We talk about not just what's going on in the Disney world, but I'll share my top five live, and you can be part of creating the list calling in and sharing yours as well. There's also 20 questions, contests, and lots more. Again, every Wednesday night, 7 30 p.m. Eastern at wwRadioLive.com. Speaking of community and really family, I want to thank some of the new and longtime members of the WW Radio Nation family, including Stephanie Phillips, Josh Olive, Bill, Susan Pesci, Bryce, Melanie Jones, Chris Sizemore, and Father Christopher. If you want to find out how you can help the show, and it really does go a long way to helping WW Radio, but also get exclusive rewards every month, including scavenger hunts, trivia hunts, access to our private Facebook group, custom Magic Band covers, logo gear, T-shirts, backpacks, care packages from Walt Disney World, exclusive live video group calls, and lots more, visit WWRadio.com/support. Again, it's completely optional, very much appreciated, and it's a great way to not only help your show, your support for the show. But remember that a portion of the proceeds of your contributions do go to our Dream Team project to benefit the Make-A-Wish Foundation of America. Again, to find out more, visit www.radio.com. Again, I'd love to hear from you. This show is by, for, with, and, and really about you. So if you have a question or a comment, you can email me, lou at www.radio.com. Or be heard on the air, call the voicemail at 407-900-9391. That's 407 407- Nine hundred. ww one. You can also connect with me on social. I'm at Lou Mangiello on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, and LinkedIn. If you've listened to the show at all before, you know there's as much as I love connecting with you online. Nothing still, even now, beats a handshake and a hug. And unfortunately, while we can't do meets of the month in the parks right now, we're going to continue to do our virtual meets of the month online. Our next virtual meet of the month is going to be Saturday. May 28th at 8 pm where we will get together in a zoom room and get together and talk about all things Disney Marvel Star Wars anything that you want to chat about I'll also be simulcasting it on our Facebook page again to find out more to RSVP go to our, our events page at slash events there you'll also find out about other upcoming events including our Marvel day at Sea Cruise in January other adventures by Disney coming next year and other ways that we connect and do things together in person, hopefully soon, and online. Again, our events page is www.radio.com slash events. Also, don't forget that I'd love to help you. I want to help you turn what you love into what you do with speaking, mentoring, and other events coming up. If you visit Lumonjello.com, you can find out how I can speak. Now I know we're not getting together and doing events, but I can speak to your business or your organization virtually one-on-one coaching, small group masterminds, and my Momentum retreat and weekend workshop coming up later on this year in Walt Disney World. Again, to find out more, visit loumangelo.com. Thanks as always to Becky Mankin and the amazing team at mousefantravel.com. You know that they are my official and recommended travel provider for all your vacation planning needs. And as we start to look towards things going back to some semblance of normalcy, I think we're going to want and really need to go Not just to our happy places like Disney World and Disneyland and Disney Cruise Line, but anywhere, domestically or internationally. You can visit them at mousefantravel.com for the best possible prices, answers to all your questions, and really an incredible level of personal service that I think, now more than ever, is most important. Be sure and check out celebrationspress.com to subscribe to Celebrations Magazine. And as always, my friend, and you are my friend, whether we have met yet or not... All I ask is that if you like the show, please help spread the word. Whether it's tweeting out that you're listening, sharing a link on Facebook, or if you can, take just a couple of seconds to rate and review the show over on Apple Podcast, Thanks to you, we have more than 2,500 five-star reviews. So important that you keep them coming. I want to thank some recent reviewers like Jar who says it's a great way to visit home. WW Radio is a great way to get a touch of Walt Disney World, who is genuine You can hear the care and affection he has for Disney plus his friends in the box, as we call our Facebook group. Thanks, Lou, for creating a friendly, positive show and a nurturing, welcoming community. WW Radio stands out for more than just the content, but the family Lou has turned this podcast into. Why For Me, with two E, says, it's the best show. I love listening to all things Disney. I always get my Disney fix with Lou when I can't be in the park or on a cruise. Highly recommended listening, and I especially love the food reviews. So do I. I can't wait to get back to doing them. Uh, Carlo NG 479 says it's the best podcast out there. I love WDW radio. Not only is it well done and informative, but Lou does an incredible job making the listener feel included and like they're part of the conversation too, because you are. I'm a longtime Disney fan. Love listening to the podcast. It's like getting a little bit of the Disney magic wherever I am. Snowball1959 is talking about our WW Radio group cruise on the Disney Wonder from New Orleans and says, I was really so excited when we were asked to join the group because we've had this opportunity before. We love doing the fish extenders. Couldn't wait to get back to our room at night to see what gifts we received from the group. We thoroughly enjoyed the activities that were planned, especially enjoying the pajama party and taking over the kids club. It felt wonderful to be a kid again. We're definitely going to plan another trip with the WW Radio group because they're great people. Thanks for everything Lou and Becky. Love Tammy and Bill Haynes. And Laura Zilby says it's the best Disney podcast. I love listening to this show but when I'm planning a trip the show helps me get ready and keeps me excited even when my trip is months away. Lou's passion is contagious and his knowledge is unparalleled. And finally Odd Pet one says it's an excellent podcast for any Disney fan. It's so great to listen to for any Disney fan. It's the best I've found positive outlook is so contagious. I love hearing information on Disney, as it will be a while until I can go back. I'm waiting for my kids to be a little bit older, but love collecting all the tips in the show. Odd pet, Laura, Snowball, Carlo, Why for me and Jay Girat. Thank you so much, not just for listening, but really being part of this amazing WW Radio community and family that you have created. Remember. I just built the clubhouse. You guys are the ones who populate it and invite your friends to join our family. Again, to leave a review, just go to Apple Podcasts and search for WW Radio or go to www.radio.com slash iTunes. It'll give you instructions and a link directly on how to do it. And if you're looking for another way to not only be part of the community but make a positive difference in your life and the lives of others, Now is the time, now is the best time, as the Carousel of Progress used to say, to become a member of the WW Radio running team. And look, whether you're a runner, you want to be one, or just want to get out, get some exercise, make some new friends, be part of the community, and help others, it's a great time to join the team. What started with me running my first and only Run Disney, Walt Disney World Half Marathon in 2008 has grown to a team which is really more like family with more than 600 members from around the world and we all run with the same focus and purpose which is just to raise money for the Make-A-Wish Foundation through our Dream Team project. Together, we've raised more than $300,000 for Make-A-Wish and have sponsored dozens of wishes of children with life-threatening illnesses that make real dreams come true so that they can come to Walt Disney World. And I want you to be a part of this whether you've run a hundreds of times or you've just thinking about getting up off the couch, it doesn't matter if you are fast or slow, walk, run, wog, jog, wheel, or even just want to cheer, you can be part of the team, the fun, the festivities, and of course, the philanthropy. It's easy to join, and when you do, you get a WW Radio Running Team Wicking logo shirt, headband, membership certificate, and all we ask is that you commit to raising $100 for the Make-A-Wish Foundation of America at your convenience. As a member of the team, we have team meetups on marathon weekends and throughout the year. We run races together. Registered members also have access to our private Facebook group for training, progress, support, encouragement, and tips. And why is now the perfect time? Because it's a great time to get out and get started and be part of something fun that you can do on your own at home but with the support of the team behind you. We're just about to kick off our at-home virtual race series and you can be a part of it too. For more information, or if you want to join the team as a runner or a supporter, if you just want to come out and cheer, you can fill out the form at www.radio.com slash running. We would love to have you, welcome you with open arms, and of course, if you know somebody else who would like to join too, please help spread the word and tell a friend. And finally, most importantly, now, really more than ever, thank you. Um, thank you for the gift that you give me of your time, which I know is so incredibly valuable to you. And I hope that in return, this show, the community, the live video, I hope it just makes your day happier and maybe inspires you to be better. Um, I think deep down, like all of us, like people just want good news, right? So that's why I choose the good, right? I look for the good in everything that I encounter, everything that you do, that I do. And I hope that you do as well. I hope that even now during these, these most trying of times, um, when maybe sometimes things look very sad or bleak or grim and scary, um, try and find the good and choose the good and, and and do good for others right with no expectation of anything in return. And if we all do that, who knows? The world just might be a little bit of a better place uh, when we're all done. So thank you, thank you, thank you again. I hope that you stay safe, stay positive. And that this really is your best week ever. And if there's anything I can do to help you, please just reach out and let me know. I love you. I appreciate you. So until next time.
1: See you tomorrow, Indiana Jones. Snakes. Why'd it have to be snakes?